Windsor. On this episode, my guest and I will be talking about important news that has run across our social media in the past few weeks. I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Candice Licione. Hi, Candice. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, it's great to be here to share with everyone some really interesting information tonight. For this broadcast, Candace and I thought we would share with you some snippets of news that has come across our social media and our personal lives over the past few weeks. We've shared some really detailed information recently, so we thought maybe we'd try to change it up tonight and share a variety of information this week with everyone. Candace said I was getting a little bit too heavy on some of my topics. So <laughs> There was a lot so, of detail. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get started with this week's news. This is talking about the outdoors and and how it might be associated with a happier adulthood. I read an uh, article on NPR.org that was entitled, Greener Childhood Associated with Happier Adulthood. Researchers from Aarhus University in Denmark found that growing up near vegetation is associated with up to 55% lower risk of mental health disorders in adulthood. Christine Engeman, the biologist who led this study, combined decades of satellite imagery with extensive health and demographic data of the Danish population to investigate the mental health effects of growing up near greenery. The article goes on to share about satellite data extending back to 1985, which allowed the researchers to calculate vegetation density around residences. Armed with the data, the researchers compared the risk of developing 16 different mental health disorders in adulthood and how much green space surrounded each child's residence. And because they had a yearly income, work history, and education level, they could weigh the relative contribution of green space against socioeconomics of the parents and the neighborhood. After accounting for those potential confounding factors, the researchers found that growing up near green space was associated with a lower risk of developing psychiatric illnesses in adulthood by anywhere from 15 to 55%, depending on the specific illness. For example, alcoholism was most strongly associated with lack of green space growing up, and risk of developing an intellectual disability was not associated with green space. The study also couldn't address how different kinds of green space and how people use it affect mental health. Are forests more impactful than sparer park spaces? Do you need to actively use these spaces or is simply growing up near greenery enough? These are questions Engelman hopes future studies can answer. I don't know about this study, but I know that growing up, we spent a lot of time outside. We did. A lot of times we were escaping from mom because if she saw you weren't doing anything or she could see you, then she would put you to work. But we lived on an acre and we had the most magnificent childhood backyard to play in and front yard. We did cartwheels. We played outside as much as we could. We had animals in a little barn and fruit trees and a playhouse. And so we lived outside. I know in summertime, we when the house maybe to go to the bathroom, we were really outside as long as you could be outside. I don't even know how parents deal with that these days because, of course, so much of our youth is, is addicted to their electronics. And 
you know, they're just wired differently than we were. It was just natural for us to go outside and play. I remember there were five kids. Uh, certainly the four older of us played Mother May I, London Bridges, a lot of hide and seek. And we were stimulated in a lot more creative ways that definitely throughout my career that that lent itself to that plus the fact that mother had like the most creative business that we could ever grow up in. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I even look around my neighborhood to try and watch what the kids are doing. I have kids next door who, who bounce on their trampoline all the time. And I love that. I love seeing that, that they're outdoors and, and having fun. I don't see many kids playing outdoors like around my shop and in my neighborhood. I think being outdoors and ha- like spending the day like we did, we had to find ways to entertain ourselves. Right. And we became much closer to nature. We had a garden. We had animals. We really re- you know, reacted with nature, and, and I got a much better and deeper feeling for Mother Earth. Well, and now here's a study to back what what we believe to be true. So there you go. Yes. And let's get everybody outside more. Right. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is um, the sun and solar weather. Um, if anybody knows me, they know I'm crazy about solar flares, geomagnetic storms, solar winds, coronal mass ejections, and, and things that come off the sun everybody needs to know more about. The surface of the sun is responsible for our space weather that affects everyone on Earth. Solar flares are explosions on the sun's surface that launch huge amounts of X-rays, radiation, and particles into the ionosphere. We are in a time of solar minimum, which is an 11-year period of hardly any solar flares, but we are still bombarded daily by solar winds, coronal mass ejections, and geomagnetic storms. All the energies coming from the sun and from space affect not only our communication systems, our power grids, our satellites, and airline flights, but affect each of us physically. The normal functioning of our brain is dependent upon a normal electromagnetic environment. We are electromagnetic beings, and we are receiving higher doses of electromagnetic energy than we ever did before. The increase in solar events shifts us from the inside to the outside. It causes us to lose track of time, thoughts fly away, we have difficulty sleeping, tossing and turning all night, and really weird dreams. Some people feel queasiness body pains, phantom pains, and a lot of dizziness. You can feel a sense of overpowering grief for no reason. Some people have vision problems, inner ear issues, and inner and outer buzzing. You can also experience headaches, migraines, breathing issues, a tingly head, irritability, and the list goes on and on. I am very sensitive to geomagnetic storms and have told people about them forever and they thought I was crazy. But now I have scientific evidence to back up that I'm not crazy. There's been a recent study by researchers from Caltech University regarding can humans sense magnetic storms. They have convincing evidence that changes in the Earth's magnetic field can suppress our alpha brain waves. When you close your eyes and relax and daydream about something, your brain is filled with alpha waves. They say, now, try this during a geomagnetic storm. You are not going to be calm and relaxed. Researchers have long known that living creatures can sense magnetic fields. Honeybees, turtles, birds, whales, and bats use the magnetic fields to help them navigate, and dogs can be trained to find buried magnets. In some of the participants in this study, alpha brain waves were decreased in power as much as 60% 
in response to shifting magnetic fields. They're calling this new thing, calling it a new human sense. They're calling magnetoreceptive. The most people that were tested weren't aware that they were affected by the shifting magnetic fields. So um, the geomagnetic forces interact with sunlight to stimulate the hypothalamus and our pituitary glands. So this is really, really something we need to be aware of, and maybe some of your physical issues are caused by these geomagnetic storms, which I know mine are, so that you can be more aware that maybe what you're feeling and some of the anxiety is not really coming from within you but coming from the sun. So just be aware of that, and um, I feel very validated by Caltech. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I chuckled through there when you talked about, you know, validating you're not crazy. Uh, we know you're not crazy. And, and I, how did you first hear about solar flares? And because, you know, we, my sister Candace and I trade information all the time. I'll, I'll say, have you heard about this? Have you heard about that? And, and this is one that you knew about before I did. Someone came into my shop, and I know it was a guy because I keep saying he, and I was discussing how I was feeling and I was feeling. I said, this is not my anxiety. This is not, not something that's coming within my body and my life. And he said, have you ever heard about solar flares? And I said, no. And he said, well, go look them up in the computer. So I did. I went on spaceweather.com and on another Russian one that does just solar flares. And at the time that I did that, that we were having tremendous amount of solar flares. And you can go into space weather, and it tells you exactly what's going on each day, geomagnetic storms, coronal mass ejections, um, solar winds. And so I just started watching. And, and so when I get this feeling, and I was getting this feeling before, I now go and just check space weather. It's like, okay, geomagnetic storm. It's not me. It's the energy that's coming off the sun and hitting me. So I think it's really important because a lot of people are very anxious nowadays. And I think some of this is from this space weather fascinating and candace actually has a little update that she sends to our our circle of letting us know by the way this week uh we're going to be experiencing this and that so if you want to be added to that let us know she'll send you an email update and let you know what to expect in any given week on these these solar flares so it's good information i definitely I'm sensitive to a lot of things, electromagnetic radi- radiation and such, but I do not feel what you feel through. And uh, my sister Heidi flares. feels it, and right. Michelle feels it. So right. it's not just me. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know it's not. And uh, frankly, I'm glad that I'm not that sensitive because yes. it's, you know, day by day, it's hard enough to get through and then to go, right. wait a minute. Son, what are you doing? But what are you doing to uh, me today? <laughs> uh, I do encourage people to get out into some sunshine more, and uh, so we're going to talk more that. about that in a future one about right the sun and and vitamin D and sunscreens and things. So yeah, oh, can't wait for that one. Okay, moving on. Last week, Candace and I reported on GMOs and glyphosate as we wanted to be sure that you knew about the reported dangers because many of you probably have a bottle of Roundup in your garage or garden shed and you use it to kill weeds and have possibly used it for decades. We hope that after you listened to our podcast that you now understand why you should not be using or eating anything that has glyphosate. At the time of our podcast, in the first of many pending lawsuits to go to trial, A jury in San Francisco concluded 
in August 2018 that the plaintiff had developed cancer from exposure to Roundup and ordered Bear Monsanto to pay $289 million in damages. Well, now, since our podcast, a second jury in the U.S. has found for the first time, or excuse me, for the second time, that Bear Monsanto's glyphosate-based herbicide Roundup causes cancer and awarded $81 million in damages last week to the plaintiff. And it's my understanding that there's 11,000 more lawsuits that are pending. My hope is that this headline news will remind you that you need to be aware of any GMO foods that you are eating or that bottle of Roundup that you use to kill weeds in your garden exposes you to glyphosate that has now been proven to be harmful. Oh, I know we talked in depth about the GMOs and glyphosate and how important it was to buy organic. Um, we overloaded you with, with facts and figures, trying to get everybody to wake up to the the big deal that this is. But um, just to let you know that sometimes you can get overwhelmed to the point you just think, what's the use? With, you know, Everything's bad and toxic, and there's nothing I can do about it. But the main thing you can do with the GMOs and glyphosate is to buy organic. Um, we live in a world right now that offers so many toxins, and it seems like no matter what you do, there's somebody's telling you something else that's bad for you. But the biggest thing that you can do is buy organic. So um, I do want to remind okay. everyone, too, when we were talking in that podcast, we talked about the labels that you look for on produce right. and on packages. There's a label that's called, um, let's see, Verified non-GMO, which has a little butterfly on it. What I didn't realize until we put together the information for that podcast was that that doesn't mean it's glyphosate-free. So USDA organic is the label that you want to look for. Right. And a lot of them have both of them on, but I did start really looking at the labels, and, and I've been buying very well because they had both of them on there. So what I do want to ask, too, because it came to mind if if we're trying to get everyone to discard their Roundup from their property, what do they do? What do they do with it? Because well, here, you don't want to poison yeah. your property no. or yourself. Here we have um, once a year our county has a hazardous waste and electronic um, drop-off at the county offices, and you can take anything that's um, toxic um, chemicals, and they will dispose of them properly, and they take all the electronics. So I just save all that stuff that I might have. And once a year, the county does take it away. So it's, you know, don't throw it in the trash kind of thing. Find a way, and I'm sure most places do have hazardous waste disposal. Yeah, I know in California I see them actually a lot more often than once a year. So it's um, a great recommendation. So keep your eyes open if you do want to discard that bottle of Roundup. Okay, so now let's talk about natural options for weed killers. Um, that are offered at realsimple.com. Number one is um, a make-at-home weed killer. You use a gallon of vinegar, a cup of salt or borax, and a tablespoon of dish soap. To apply this, use a spray bottle when you can control the nozzle as either a spray or a stream. If it's a small area, shoot a stream of of, um, the liquid. If it's an all-over weed situation, go for the spray. However, be careful with it because it doesn't know the difference between a weed or a flower. Especially when using the more potent borax, the solution can also kill the soil, so nothing else will grow around it. This method works best on a sunny day as the natural acid will burn the plant and the salt will shrivel up by sundown. 
the dish soap helps the solution stick to the weeds. I also use it in my shop and my house on my pavement, my driveway and my parking lot at the shop. Just regular white vinegar in a, you know, a gallon or a half-gallon bottle, straight out of the bottle, on the weeds, just pour it on my parking lot and on my driveway. And it, it doesn't kill immediately, but it does kill like the next day. It really works really well, and it's really inexpensive. Great recommendation. Number two for natural options for weed killers, how about newspaper even professional landscapers are known to use this simple trick. If your garden is infested, use a weed whacker to address the culprits, then lay down yesterday's headlines. Newspaper blocks beginning weeds from growing and new seeds from forming by shutting out sun and air. Top it off with mulch and the weeds won't show up. I tried that on my herb farm and I also tried it at my my house that I'm at right now, there was a garden at the side of the house that was terrible, and I just did that. I cut them all down, put the newspaper, and it works perfectly. It takes a little while, but it, it's a very good thing for the environment. It doesn't hurt anything. The next option is boiling water. It's inexpensive, simple, effective, and completely free of chemicals. For areas like cracks in sidewalks and driveways, take a pot of boiling water and pour it on the weeds. It will kill them right away. Be sure to get close to the plant and pour slowly to avoid being splashed. If the weeds regrow, repeat the process until the area is free and clear. Never thought about that. That's a great idea. I, I know. That is a great idea. I have not thought of that. Thank you to uh, realsimple.com. Number four, I did not know about, lemon juice. This pretty fruit not only grows in the garden, it also helps keep it pristine since citrusy lemon juice serves as a natural acid to kill weeds. Fill a spray bottle with lemon juice and saturate any perpetrators. The natural solution will dry up and kill the leaves within one or two days. If you don't have an abundance of lemon trees, you can also try the bottled lemon juice, which also does the trick. And lemons can be really expensive, at least here in California. For, an extra, strong, <laughs> for an extra strong formula, mix the lemon juice with acidic vinegar, which apparently is the kind sold at garden stores or nurseries and is stronger than the supermarket options. I hadn't heard that one either. That's very interesting, and lemon juice is so good for us, but I didn't know it could kill weeds also. <laughs> right. Um, and and some, okay. there's some weeds you don't want to kill, and you are right. our expert in that. Um, yeah, since we're talking about weed killers, let me tell you that you don't want to be putting anything on your lawn because your lawn is full of wonderful weed slash herbs that um, are growing in your lawn all the time, and uh, most of them are wonderful skin herbs, chickweed, plantain, dandelions. There's wonderful, wonderful herbs in your yard. Um, Dandelions are amazing, and please don't kill them. They're one of Mother Nature's most amazing herbs. Most people consider dandelions to be pesky weeds, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Dandelions have been used by humans most of recorded history, and until the mid 1800s, I'm sorry, dandelions were encouraged to grow in people's backyards so they could be easily harvested for food and for treating health issues. Today we spend all our time trying to kill our lawn and our wonderful um, skin herbs. Um, did you know that dandelions are full of vitamins and minerals? They're a wonderful tonic herb for your body. They can strengthen the liver, gallbladder, they help get rid of gallstones, strengthen bones and teeth 
reduce joint stiffness, low, lower uric acid and blood cholesterol levels, and promote good digestion. The entire plant is medicinal and edible. You can use fresh dandelion leaves in salads, soups, or steamed. They are higher in beta-carotene than carrots. The iron and calcium content is phenomenal, greater than spinach. I hope you will be more respectful as you look out into your lawn and see dandelions as herbs and not weeds. And say thank you, dandelions. <laughs> I love there. dandelion tea. Yes. yes. Yeah, dandelion tea is wonderful, and it it it's it's tasty. Yeah, the leaf, the root, the whole thing is is edible and medicinal. It's just wonderful. I remember the first time you told me about dandelions, and the story you told me has always stuck with me. Where uh, those back, you said like in the up until the 1800s, people were actually harvesting them. But it was like the first plant that would grow after the, the winter snow melted off. Did I remember right, that correctly? Yeah, people didn't didn't have fresh food. They had canned food, and then they would towards the end of winter run out. And so dandelions the first thing that came up in the spring, and they're a just full of vitamins and minerals, so the people were not getting the vitamin and minerals as they got farther through their food supply. So they made dandelion wine and dandelion fritters and dandelion salads and used dandelions because it's a tonic herb. It's a wonderful tonic herb, and it got them back to where they needed to be with their vitamin and minerals from a a, a winter of of no fresh food. And so can you dedicate a part of your garden to dandelions? Because you certainly don't want to pull dandelions out of any yard that has had any type of weed treatment in the past years. Right. You would either, uh, they actually do sell like French dandelions that you can put in your vegetable gardens. They just sound better. They're dandelions, but they're some kind of a French variety. But you can have a spot where there's nothing, you know, no pesticides or nothing. You shouldn't be putting pesticides in your lawn anyway. But also make sure that the spot where your dogs and cats are not going to the bathroom on your dandelions. So kind of have a, you know, maybe in your vegetable garden, a little a little spot that the animals can't get to. All right. I'm definitely going to, I think I want a cup of dandelion tea. It's, that, it's time for that. Yes. So moving on, we have talked about this off and on for weeks, about reading the labels on the food that you eat and reading the labels front and back. There's some key buzzwords that a lot of manufacturers are using these days that can be misleading, like the word natural or natural flavors. There's an interesting short article at foodbabe.com, and this website has great information. She actually has a book called Feeding You Lies, and she's taken on the food industry about labeling. And so her article really caught my attention this week. You're grocery shopping and trying to find a safe cooking oil, and you've been cleaning up your diet and want something healthy to saute all those veggies and dandelions that you've been eating. (laughs) What oil do you reach for? We hope you know that canola, soybean, and other processed oils are out because they are ridiculously bad for you. So you're at the store and you see a shelf lined with cooking sprays like Pam and may have recalled hearing that those aren't healthy for you either. And then you see this one label that simply reads 100% extra virgin olive oil right there on the front of the can. 100% means 100%, right? So you think, ah, this is perfect. It contains just 100% olive oil without any nasty, unhealthy additives. Well, what if the labeling is lying to you? 
that there's not really 100% olive oil in that can. Now, the can that she used as an example was a, a spray can of, of oil. Uh, Smuckers is the maker of Crisco and has been sued for misleading the public into believing their cooking spray contains 100% extra virgin olive oil because it simply isn't true. The Crisco cooking spray featured in Food Babe's article actually contains soy lecithin, dimethyl silicone, and propellant, which could be found discreetly listed on the ingredient label on the back of the can, which, of course, many consumers don't look at. So the moral of this story is read your labels front and back. Read the ingredients that are in the food that you're putting into your body. Yes. I, I actually bought her book, um, The Food Babe. Oh, it's fascinating. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it good? It's I so good and it's so yeah. interesting and yeah, you know, she's really taken on the food industry and and taking a lot of backlash on it, but it, you know, I gotta yeah. gotta take your hat off to her. <laughs> I believe she's the one who got the macaroni and cheese manufacturers to take out the food dyes. And some of them don't have to do it like this year. Maybe they have to do it next year or the following year, but I, I'm not sure when. But, boy, she has taken on the food industry like nothing else. And, she got some um, way to take the yoga mat yeah. chemical out of their bread. Right. Yeah, so she Who knew has, we had yoga mat chemical in yeah. our bread? That's, I know, that's, and, that's I remember, and I remember hearing about that, and I did, at that time, did not hear about her. And so I had no idea what she's doing to uh, campaign uh, on all of our behalf to clean up our food. So thank right, you, She's doing food a wonderful babe. job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next we're going to talk about crafting your own natural home medicine kit. As you know, at Healing Life Wisdom, we encourage you to start making the switch to natural remedies. In a recent blog post, we included a link to a great research page at greenmedinfo.com. Not only is it common sense to have a natural medicine kit at home, but it's inexpensive to put together and quite empowering to realize you have the ability to heal yourself and your family with some natural choices. Here's just a few items that are recommended when you start a natural medicine kit. One big one is aloe vera. Aloe has been used throughout a long portion of our history in treating and healing burns and other minor skin irritations. The best way to use aloe is directly from the plant itself, Break off a leaf and slice it open and put it onto your burn or uh, any kind of skin thing. Also, um, if you don't have an aloe vera plant, but also you should have in your refrigerator aloe vera juice. Um, We sell it at the store. It's in a bottle. It's wonderful. It's so good for anything digestive, whether it's um, gas and bloating or irritable bowel or anything to do with digestive issues. Um, Aloe vera juice is unbelievably healing. And you can also buy aloe vera gel in the um, in the jar, and um, it's nice to have on hand if you don't have an aloe vera plant or just something you can carry around because it's great on anything um, that burns. Um, we used it a lot at the shop because we have trouble getting glue gun burns, and it's wonderful in glue gun burns because it um, it's really quick. It's faster even healing than lavender, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you really should have an aloe vera plant in your house for all the kitchen burns. I agree. When uh, I actually burned my finger the other day, and there was this wonderful feeling right after it happened it, when I thought, oh, no, what do I do? And I went, oh, wait, I planted aloe vera right outside the front door. So I ran outside, grabbed one of those plump leaves off, and uh, scooped out the gel and put it on my finger. A lot of times when I do that, 
a um, blister never forms. In this case, it did. I found with aloe vera, and I agree, it works better for me than lavender oil. And what I found is that it, it like, cools it off. It, it has this wonderful cooling sensation. And after about 10 minutes, maybe as long as 15, that, that burning feeling goes right away. And what it does is it then accelerates the healing and you can then follow it up with some of your favorite oils, but definitely plant aloe vera in your garden. It's so, uh, it does so well. Now, Candy, you live on the East coast. Does it make it through the winters or do you have to keep no, it inside? No. I have a plant okay. in a, in a window at home. No, it does not make it here okay. through the winter. So I just keep it in a pot, take it out in the porch during the summer out in the sun and then bring it in for the winter. So I always have fresh aloe vera. Okay. So next up is calendula cream. This is one of the first things that you might reach for whenever one of the children has a cut, scratch, scrape, or rash in addition to your aloe vera. Historically, calendula has been used in reducing inflammation, promoting wound healing, and it's used as an antiseptic. It has been used to treat a variety of skin diseases, including skin ulcerations and eczema. So it's a great addition to your natural medicine kit. Yeah, and calendula is a lovely, lovely skin herb. Um, And it's lovely in tea. Calendula tea is gorgeous. It's so pretty. It's kind of an orange color. Wonderful herb. The next herb we're going to talk about is echinacea. Um, You should have in your um, kit an echinacea tincture. Echinacea is a wonderful immune-boosting herb, antiviral as well as antibacterial. Topically, you use for stings and bites. It is a Native American snake bite remedy, and it's good for skin in, uh, also good for skin infections. It's a staple for the home medicine kit. It's useful for poisonous insect and snake bites, toothaches, sore throat, wounds, childhood issues, upper respiratory infections, the common cold, sinusitis, influenza, herpes, lymphatic swelling, and skin ulcers. So may you never have to use it for a snake bite. I would hope um, not. <laughs> but I lived on, on a ranch up until the beginning of last year, and we did have rattlesnakes. And That's right. Snakes were part of your everyday Oh, well, snakes are part of our everyday life here where we, we live on the water, so there's all kinds of snakes here too. Right. But I try to avoid them. <laughs> right. So it's nice to have something at least to grab in your kit. Until you can if, do heaven something forbid, else. Yeah, until you can yes. get to... to um, medical help right before we move on i just want to remind anyone who's listening tonight that we will take calls when we're finished with our natural medicine kit here our guest call in number is 929-477-3082 that's 929-477-3082 so next up is elderberry we talked about this a couple weeks ago elderberry is an essential remedy to have on hand especially good this time of year during the cold and flu season. It's rich in vitamins A, B, and C, and elderberry supports immune system functioning and is one of the best remedies for viral infections. Useful for colds, flus, respiratory afflictions, fevers, and upset stomachs. I did, uh, elderberry ran across my Facebook feed recently, and I found a great source for natural um, organic elderberry, and they actually mix, mix apple in with it too. I don't know if that's because of flavor or because apple does add a lot of benefits to it also. I haven't had to use it, but I did hand it out. I got four bottles in a case, and I have handed out 
a couple of the bottles to others, suggesting that they try uh, to use it for their colds and flus. Oh, next up, garlic. That's me. (laughs) I've heard many herbalists say that if they were stranded on a desert island and could have only one medicine with them, it would be garlic. It's a powerful, broad-spectrum antibiotic and has been used to ward off everything from the common cold to the plague. Some of the ailments it has been used to treat include wounds, ulcers, skin infections, flu, athlete's foot, some viruses, strep, the list goes on and on here, worms, respiratory ailments, high blood pressure, blood thinning, cancer of the stomach, colic, colds, kidney problems, bladder problems, and earaches. Incorporating garlic, especially raw, into your daily diet is a key part of keeping your body healthy and your immune system functioning at optimal levels. I also have seen a recipe that actually uses 50 cloves of garlic that's supposed to be great for the flu season. Haven't tried it, but I think I have that recipe printed off. We actually made some kind of dinner one night that called for 50 cloves of garlic. (laughs) (laughs) You must be a garlic lover for that, definitely. We love garlic, yes. Well, actually, it didn't taste very garlicky. It was surprising. Mm. I guess once no. it was cooked, I don't know. It didn't. I was, I was, I was skeptical. <laughs> but um, next on the list is ginger. Ginger is an excellent anti-inflammatory herb as well as an important digestive remedy. It's useful for a broad range of ailments such as nausea, motion sickness, diarrhea, colic, arthritis, rheumatism, colds, flus, headache, poor circulation, and heart conditions. In Asia, it's considered a longevity herb. The next. Um, thing on the list is plantain, comfrey, self-heal, and chickweed salve. All of these herbs have excellent wound healing properties, and one or all of them alone, or in combination with calendula and St. John's wort, would make a great salve or ointment for most skin ailments you may encounter. At the shop, we um, make up and sell a plantain sage salve that is very, very wonderful, and people just love it, and some people put it on anything that comes up on their skin, um, so any of these um, herbs are great skin herbs, and um, you could make a salve out of any of them or buy a salve. Um, there's also St. John's wort salve. Why many people these days are aware of St. John's wort for its antidepressant benefits, they may not be aware it's one of the best topical anti-inflammatory and wound-healing herbs to be found. Some of the ailments can be helped by the topical use of St. John's wort, including bruises, wounds, burns, hemorrhoids, sunburn, herpes sores, varicose veins, sciatica, nerve pain, rheumatism, and arthritis. And the last one, well, almost the last one here is yarrow. Yarrow is considered a common weed, but it's an extremely useful one, as most of the weeds are. It's antiseptic, antispasmodic, astringent, digestive, and a tonic herb. It can be used for colds and flus, stomach ulcers, amenorrhea, abdominal cramps, abscesses, trauma, bleeding, and to reduce inflammation. So thank you to greenmedinfo.com for providing this list. And to let you know that there are options, uh, we're, we're not trying to replace whatever medical decisions you want to make with your doctor, but just wanted to let you know that there are other choices that are out there that uh, you can uh, try and uh, try some, some alternative ways for healing. And Candace, one that's not on their list that, is a go-to for me is colloidal silver. It's 
it's something, I don't know how many years, 10 years maybe? It's something I read about, ran across. Nobody told me about it. And so I thought, well, I'm going to take a look at this and see what this is about. And I remember going online and seeing that they were saying, oh, it's not good for you because this man turned blue. And when I did more research on it, it appeared that there was someone who took massive amounts of colloidal silver over a long period of time, and his skin turned blue. And and so I thought, well, okay, I'm not going to do that. I am going to try it out. And I found for me it's been a great go-to when I'm just starting to feel off a little bit, where you have this sense of, oh, boy, I'm not feeling 100%. And it's one of those tinctures that, kind of like antibiotics where you don't take them day after day after day, I just do a short blast, uh, maybe a day, and and it always seems to knock out whatever it is that I'm dealing with. So I would recommend our listeners research colloidal silver and see if that's something that they would like to add to their nat- natural medicine cabinet. And I also saw the band with the blue skin, and so I wouldn't touch colloidal silver for years. <laughs> and then finally you, you convinced me otherwise, and I have it in my my medicine cabinet. It's very wonderful. But yes, there was a lot of publicity at the time about the blue man. And uh, I think a lot of it turned a lot of people off. So it is it is a wonderful uh, thing to try. And and check your sources. Go to a reputable source at yes. your health food outlet and and get advice from them also. And again, it's not something that you take every day. It's something that you just take. When I get calls from friends or family and they'll go, what do you recommend? Um, it's like, have you tried your colloidal silver? And just take like a dropper full once an hour for four hours and see how that, how you feel after that. So it's one of those things that you just um, take on an occasional basis. Yes, yes. A uh, couple other things that aren't on the list. Tea tree oil. You and our sister Heidi, well, you've been advocates of tea tree oil for a long time. For years. I, I, it's my go-to like you go to Cloyd of Silver, I go to tea tree. Tea tree is so wonderful for anything to do with skin. If anything comes up my skin, gets a tea tree oil treatment immediately. Um, but tea tree oil is also good for all kinds of things. In fact, there was something, um, I was doing a thing, I'm, I'm doing some work on anxiety, and it was, it was very good for, um, for your brain, which I never heard. But it's also really good for anything in your mouth, like um, thrush, um, gum disease, anything um, going on in your mouth, and also wonderful for um, athlete's foot and whatever. I just can't recommend tea tree enough. Um, I also use oil of oregano, and I love oil of oregano also. It's very similar in its uses to tea tree oil, um, but some things I put tea tree oil on, some things I put oil of oregano on. And I grabbed some information because I have oil of oregano, but I haven't had an occasion to actually use it, but it, it, I read here it reduces pain and inflammation, fights off infection, and contains over 50 antibacterial uh, qualities, reduces the symptoms and duration of colds and flu. And I have a feeling that's probably where I've heard about it the most. And mm-hmm. it can aid in the relief of digestive problems and relief from muscle aches and pains. And on this particular website, it was showing how you could actually make your own, but since I'm a doTERRA wellness advocate, I just buy it from to. doTERRA, <laughs> right. And and so you want to look into that because I think that 
that uh, you might find, again, that oil of oregano that you respond better to than one of the other options that we may have shared here. So, yeah, I, I don't know why I go from one to the other. It's kind of like intuition. I just know mm-hmm. some things need tea tree and some things need oil of oregano. So, Right. Um, well, one thing I want to just mention before we forget, we, you and I talked about stuff that Mom used because Mom was big on kale <laughs> tectate when we were little. Yes, we used the chrome. Right. Yes. Mercurochrome. Do yes. you know that it has mercury in it? No, I, I did and not. In, and in the 70, like 1978, they decided maybe it wasn't the greatest thing, but it was not declared, um, considered, it said the FDA declared in 1998 it's not generally considered safe. It had mercury in it. Yeah, I, I, I'm stunned. Uh, thankfully, I'm we stunned didn't too. use it a lot, but I do. I think a lot never of people had, did, though. Right. Our mom was not so good with that. We, I don't even remember Band-Aids in the house. Uh, I remember cutting my foot one day, and I had to use scotch tape and <laughs> toilet paper. I don't know. And and so Our mother it, was it, unique. It, Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, so we were pretty much self-healing uh, be, because of that. Sure. And she was a wonderful mom, but it just wasn't important to her. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and kale pectate, definitely we had. Yes. We have that now. Wish I would have known then about ginger and such. And I told you I wanted to go research what what was in kale pectate, uh, whatever ingredients that was. I'm not was. sure we want to know. <laughs> I know. So thankfully, we can cleanse from all of those things. We can do a wonderful liver, yes. liver cleanse and yes. uh, get uh, all of that mercury and, and other stuff out of this. And what's, what's a little bit challenging to me is, like, when they make this announcement, but then they say, the manufacturers don't have to have these ingredients out for years. And so they keep selling them on the market. Uh, the same with GMO labeling. It's like, why can't we get GMO labeling now? Because these companies are reordering these packages a lot of times during the year. Why can't they just change the labeling to include yeah. what they need to? But I'm I'm not in yeah. charge of that. So. No, but the more we... We protest, and the more it comes up, it will change. It may take a while, but we've got to be vocal about it. Right. I think that we have covered everything that we wanted to talk about tonight. And, Candace, thank you so much for joining me, as always. It's been great. I always have so much fun. I love this Sunday night chat. (laughs) I do, too. And we packed a lot into tonight about some of the things we were talking about earlier in the week and things that we read, and we hope that you have enjoyed it. And, Candace, we will be right here again next Sunday night. I'll talk to you then. Okay. Thank you so much. Good night. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. For more information, I invite you to go to HealingLifeWisdom.com, click on Blog Archives, and you can find a post that Candace and I wrote on today's topics, which actually is titled Newsworthy and today's date, which is March 31st, 2019. And check out the links to the Healing Life Wisdom On Demand podcasts, just like this one. Also follow us on Twitter at Healing Life 444 or Facebook at Healing Life Wisdom. And keep this discussion going by sharing our links with your friends and family. It's so important that we all share on our paths to wellness. I'm Tiffany Windsor, and this is Healing Life Wisdom. 
Have a fabulous and natural healing week. Thanks for listening. Log Talk Radio. Welcome to He 